Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Welcome listeners to this podcast. And it is around a property investor's alternative house. And the significance of that is I've got a lady with me called Catherine Turner, who is a property investor. So without further ado, I'm going to ask Catherine to introduce herself and give a brief overview of uh, her business life. And then what I intend to do then um, is we have a conversation and we just unfold it to, and to get to, to know the lady a little bit more around the successful business person that the outside world sees. So, Catherine, can you give us an intro, an insight into into the world of Catherine? Oh, well, thank you first for having me, Paul. No problem. My pleasure. <laughs> so, yes, my name is Catherine Turner. I am a mum, an entrepreneur, multiple business owner, and I'm kind of known for quite a few things, probably least now property, funnily enough, although it's where I started in terms of coming out of the day job and learning to invest and build a business. And it's still a business we have to this date. Yeah, so let, let's probably start from the beginning. It's probably a good idea. So uh, I was looking for a way out of my day job at the time. I had not one, not two, but three jobs going on. The idea that there's just too much month left at the end of the money and was looking for a way out. And it happened to be kind of property came across my field of vision. And I thought, yeah, that sounds good. And really, uh, I tried my hand at a bit of everything in property, single lets, uh, flipping properties, HMOs, house with multiple occupation, and finally uh, found a real niche in terms of doing service accommodation. So myself and my business partner, who also happens to be my husband, Steve, we do that. Um, well, I started it and now I'm not really involved uh, at all anymore, but I'll tell you a little bit more about why that is in just a moment. And we grew from one unit to over 20 initially in the first 24 months. We're now back, uh, we're now three years in and we're back down to 18, 19 properties. Some have come and gone and things like that. And I really love that business and creating a home away from home. Next, I'm probably quite well known for in terms of investment circles, uh, in terms of training people how to run Amazon businesses. So using Amazon as your e-commerce platform to run an online products business, running your own own products. That's the key thing as well. You're not reselling anyone else's. It's about your own brand of products. And I originally set off on .com, but next year is very much about going to .co.uk just because I've seen a real need for products that I'm trying to get my hands on, especially now that I am a mum, uh, mum to Ella, who has, well, at the time of recording this podcast, turned one yesterday, and I'm currently um, expecting our second uh, during December. And that's really exciting because it's actually giving me a new kind of outlook on business, on life, on what's really important and what I'm focusing on. So Amazon was that. And then I love being on stage, but I did that in the past as a dancer uh, in doing amateur dramatics. Um, but now I do it as me 
and I love talking about wealth and how you can build wealth, how you can outsource and leverage, uh, get yourself uh, a team of virtual assistants. And that's one of our other businesses. We have a, a portal to go and find yourself VAs in the Philippines at theviva.club, uh, the very important virtual assistant club. Uh, I have to thank my husband for that one. He loves an acronym. And yeah, that's what I really do now. We have uh, an online course that we partnered with a very other successful entrepreneur, uh, Rob Moore, and we created uh, the Life Leverage Online Masterclass. And off the back of that, I have my own podcast as well uh, called Leverage Lifestyle. And that for me really is at the heart of what I'm doing in terms of business. I've leveraged myself out of most of the businesses that I own. Um, So I own them now rather than run them now. I started them all and I've leveraged them over either uh, my husband's kind of working and making them work, um, but only on a few hours of his time a day, because it's really important that we raise our family together. And we have our virtual team and our property manager, who's based here in the UK, uh, run most of those business for us. And we just kind of work on the strategy and the vision. And as I say, we now help other people to live that life they want as well. Because I think, you know, it's so important. We start in business with this idea of this lifestyle that we want, Maybe it's to get out of a job or maybe it's to have more time with family and friends. And sometimes we get into the business and we're too into it and we're starting to basically just give ourselves another job to do. And so very much now it's like, how can you take something that's maybe become another job for you and now create the lifestyle that you really want from it? Okay. So would you say then that uh, since the, the birth of your first child, that that leveraging focus has, has been enhanced or was that was that in place anyway? Was there a need to do that before your daughter came along? I mean, there was always a need, right. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I think because I'm one of these entrepreneurs and business owners that, like many of us, have multiple ideas. Um, if you've ever done Wealth Dynamics, I'm definitely on that star creator uh, portion of uh, the square. And what I didn't want to do was essentially create myself another job, which I essentially was doing because I was trying to do everything myself. The real uh, concept of leveraging, outsourcing, getting systemized uh, came from one of my mentors, Rob Moore, and he really kind of honed that idea and then we put it into play. So uh, myself and Steve decided, okay, we want to start a family by the end of the year that we we did. And we decided that gave us about six to nine months we before we were starting to plan having Ella, that we would get our businesses really leveraged, that we could work them from a laptop anywhere in the world. Um, I love to travel as well. It's a bug that's been in me since I first went traveling off my own dime back when I was about 21. And I really wanted to show Stephen that experience because he'd worked since, well, since he's finished school, he'd never been out of a, a job. He'd been an apprentice and then carried on and gone into finance and so he'd never really found a a time to take a break so I really wanted to share that traveling experience with him so we decided okay we're going to build the businesses up to be systemized to have a team working behind them and you know not all of that goes 100% to plan and there is a few ups and downs along the way and we had some team members that came and went in that time as well but essentially we booked ourselves a month-long trip Initially, it was going to be in the Far East, but at the time, and I still think there's um, Zika virus was a potential issue to think about. And so we went for our jabs. The nurse said, are you planning to conceive within the next six months? And that was the plan. And so we decided to go over to America. So we did um, New York, Bermuda, 
San Francisco, LA, Las Vegas. And um, it was a fantastic month. And it showed us that what the systems we put into place worked. We yeah. could work our businesses from a laptop, from our phones, and it not all fall apart. And so that really gave us that impetus. So, you know, we talk about, especially when we're ready to go on holiday from work, we suddenly fit in a lot into our last day before we go on holiday, don't we? Yeah. Uh, the same with having, I suppose, a baby definitely gives you that nine month deadline. So again, we we put it into place before we even conceived Ella. But again, your question was, you know, has it even heightened it? For sure. It's probably heightened it even more. So have we got the right team on board? Are they doing everything they should be? Are we giving them the right guidance to allow them and the right systems to do that, all of that? So that's the kind of thing we look at now, even more so than we probably did before we had Ella, um, because it's even more important because she's here now. And, uh, you know, we have had just had the best year with her. She's an absolute joy. And I love being able to still be a businesswoman because I still consider myself a businesswoman. I don't like calling myself a mumpreneur. I think that has some odd connotations with it because <laughs> I don't think anyone calls themselves a dadpreneur. I was going to um, ask you about that, but yeah. <laughs> you've answered that. One. There we go. And I think it has a connotation of being smaller than some of these mumpreneur are. I think they are entrepreneurs in their own right and they just happen to be mums as well. Yeah. And like any father out there who runs a business or is an entrepreneur, they just happen to be a dad as well. And yes, that will probably guide you and focus you and give you a new vision or mission or reason why but actually it's not all of who you are and I think that's always been really key to me that I still have an identity not just being a mum but I can be this entrepreneur I can be a business owner I can be a mentor I can be a coach I can do all those things and I'm also a mum and I can bring that aspect to what I do and yes it will influence what I do but it's not all of who I am. And that's that's a great intro, really, Catherine, to, um, I mean, obviously, for the benefit of the listeners, they can't see the picture that we're looking at now. But I will make that available to log in uh, to the email address that's given at the end of this uh, podcast is is how you can get this, what I call the heart's house. And the heart's house really encapsulates something that uh, Catherine's already alluded to. It's a simple pictorial piece around three foundation levels so if you imagine it almost like how would you describe it Catherine what would you describe that that it's kind of got like a temple aspect to it so it's got these kind of steps going up the pillars and then the overarching kind of plinth as well so okay so as Catherine said so you've got kind of three steps there the first one is the human needs the second one beliefs and values and then the third step is goals and strategies And then, as Catherine alludes to, there's three pillars, one called purpose, one called prosperity, and one called philanthropy. At the top of those pillars sits a lintel called mission and purpose. Above that is another plinth with the vision, and above that is the apex of the roof with the family crest of arms or your identity in the middle of that. So you've got nine elements that basically make what I believe is the heart's house which I think is very appropriate in light of uh, Catherine's already alluding to to being involved in property. So what I'd like to do, Catherine, is start on the bottom step, if I may, Mm -hmm. and dig beneath this image. uh, Well, it's not an image, but (laughs) the reality of you as a successful entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. uh, woman in business, all this identity that you allude to. Mm -hmm. 
because one of the questions I get asked or, or one of the statements to be more precise that's leveled at, oh, it's easy for you. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, why is it easy for me? Why are you making that judgment? Because actually you probably don't know anything about me. But what I've learned over the years, there are certain principles that apply to us all. That if we can address those steps, then we can all achieve that level of success. Mm -hmm. And for me, the first step is around looking internally around our six human needs. Um, this is a, a strong influence that's come from Tony Robbins. And when I look back on my own journey to make sense of that particular phase from pain to prosperity, mm -hmm. certainly I can, in a real practical sense, not some fluffy, nice convenient theory i can make some real sense of mm. of that journey so i'd like to dig uh, beyond the the obvious if i may catherine and say okay is this successful business person this and mother and wife and juggling all these metaphoric balls <laughs> tell me about your human needs so if mm. we start with the first one to what degree would you say you need certainty in your life mm. to achieve this out of perceived success mm -hmm. it's really interesting actually i just want to go back to something you just said there about your pain to prosperity kind yes. of journey and i think it's quite interesting that when i actually see a lot of people who i would deem as successful and you know success has uh, lots of different levels to it and meanings for different people but it's interesting that sometimes a common theme is there's been an element of pain yeah. or lack or void yeah. in people and actually interestingly i had a lot of certainty in my life growing up, going to the same school, having some constant friends, things like that, that um, I think was very important for my mum. She was bringing me up as a single parent. And for her, she had travelled around a lot and gone to a lot of different schools, a boarding school, which she particularly didn't like. So for her, it was really important that I had um, consistency in my schooling and consistency of friends to grow up with. And so she provided that. I suppose for me, though, you always see where the void or the lack is, um, especially when you look back on things. And what I didn't have was obviously a father who was there all the time. Yes, I did see him and we have a better relationship now. We didn't have any relationship for a long time. And so there was some uncertainty about his role in my life for a long time. And just sometimes that not so cohesive family unit. Yeah. And it's interesting now when I, I have my family now, how important that certainty is to me now. Uh, you know, my husband being my, by my side in business and in life and in raising our children. Uh, and I, I believe I've chosen well. But I think that also comes from seeing maybe what you don't want. Yeah, I agree with that. And knowing therefore what you are then looking for um, in someone. So sometimes it's also ruling out what you don't want to find what you really do want. And interestingly, we've been working on some business plans around some of our businesses and really honing in on what it is the purpose of our businesses are and the aims for us personally, but also how it affects our customers, our clients, and the bigger picture of things as well. And interestingly, something that came up for us uh, in terms of the goal was certainty or security. So other people might call it security. Yeah, yeah. And it was, okay, the security, and it's interesting because another one's freedom. And people might say that their juxtaposition or their, their opposite ends, I think they go hand in hand. Because when you've got security and certainty of income 
of the people around you, of your team, of your partner. Um, that gives you the freedom in your mind to know you can have choice, have a, options, have ability to be able to travel or to give your children the best start in life or, yeah, just to be able to feel financially free as well if you know the income is certain um, and regular. And I think that was the interesting thing as well, seeing my mum be a single mum, bringing up me. I think it's probably one of the hardest jobs. I've got friends who are single parents and I just say you've got the hardest job in the world there, not having that support of someone else helping you raise a child because it's it's full on. And if you're doing that whilst working another job or building a business, you know, hats off to you. I really do thank my lucky stars that I have Steve, um, who is a true, true partner in every single sense of the word. And, um, you know, she didn't have certainty of income at times. There were weeks, you know, she never told, never told me at the time, but again, hindsight. And when you grow older and parents divulge things to you, um, that there was maybe just five pounds at the end of the week to feed the both of us. Sure. And I was aware there wasn't an abundance of money, but I also didn't lack love and attention and the other things that you also need in life. So, um, so it's interesting that I had some certainty in some areas, but definitely I saw where it was lacking and that's where I've really focused on now in terms of my family and what I'm aiming for in my life. And what's significant listening to that, Catherine, for me is your strong certainty was around the emotional side, the Mm. love. And for me, based on, on my own experience and all the research I've done and obviously the the input I've had from from world leaders, significant world leaders, that emotional certainty mm. is is where the victory is gained. Mm-hmm. The financial stuff, the externals, that comes and goes. Mm-hmm. But for me, the real rock solid. If you've got that emotional certainty, then I, I liken it to somebody investing in a bank account. They're putting millions of emotions into mm. your account, and so you become very rich. Yeah, very rich. And that, and you're right, what you said earlier on about you realise what you don't, what you haven't had. Because Mm. for me, it was actually the opposite way around. In fact, it wasn't. It was the opposite way around on both counts because (laughs) not only was it extremely poor, Mm. but the upbringing was totally devoid of love. My mother tried her best, but Mm. she was was too busy trying to survive herself against an onslaught of violence, abuse, Mm. and all kinds of weird and wonderful things. So, okay, so what advice would you give then, Catherine? I mean, turn turn the clock back a few years and, and you know, a sort of would-be um, entrepreneur, businesswoman, young, young woman coming to you and saying, Catherine, do you know, I feel like I've got so much more inside me, mm. but I don't, you know, my world feels so uncertain. Can you guide me? What would you say to her? Oh, goodness me. One, I think if we're talking about someone coming to me today, I think the world's a very different place, even from when I was young but it's it's changed hugely in terms of the resources and places to tap into who can give you that kind of holistic overview, uh, whether that's a business idea or whether that's uh, personal development or whether that's learning a new skill of some sort. There's so many more places I think you can easily find now, thanks to the internet, thanks yeah. to Facebook, thanks to Instagram, wherever it might be that you want to go find your inspiration from. Yeah. And for me, that's kind of what I was lacking at the time. So if someone's been able to find me, awesome, because that's what I was looking for. I was looking to tap into someone who maybe had some sort of entrepreneurial vision or 
thing inside them because I do think there's sometimes that thing inside you I I kind of joke about the fact that I want to start a magazine when I was at school I then want to start a a dance club when I was about 16 because that's I was assisting another dance teacher and I was like I could do this even better like I create my but I didn't know anyone who had done it and everyone around me even if they so as I say I was assisting someone who had a dance school I didn't think she was still very entrepreneurial and I could see she could do it better and I could see potentially even I could do it better. But where do I even start? I'm 16. How do I even go there? But now I've met, you know, young entrepreneurs through podcasting, through masterminds and things like that, who are doing phenomenal stuff, you know, YouTube channels, podcasts, books, all of this. And they're still not even 12. You know, they (laughs) only just started secondary school. And I'm like, wow. So I've seen a few things. I haven't had personal experience with them, uh, but I've seen people, uh, there's a, a club type setup a guy called um julian hall who does ultra education which just looks amazing i'll definitely be sending my kids there when they're old enough just to really give children another outlet outside of school as well because yeah. i think school is so unfortunately it seems still very antiquated in the way the setup is in the way you're taught in the way the subjects are set up there's no real applying it to life mm. And no real taking individual talents or skills or nurturing, uh, especially in the state system. It's just, it's probably because it's just not possible. It's just too overloaded. And I think, by the way, this is no disrespect to teachers and everything. I know a lot of teachers who just work their bottom off and are fantastic what they do. They just haven't got the time, the resources, too many kids to try and look after. And I think obviously the government isn't there in terms of, you know, backing them with the, the curriculum that's really made for today's society and um you know if you yeah if someone had found me awesome because actually it meant they were looking for something and they'd found someone who was doing what they wanted and i'd say best advice i can give is go and find the person out there who's doing what you want to do and tap into them so you know if you want to become the best dancer find who is the best dancer where did they train who did they train with what you know what, what was their daily routine all of that, if they want to be, you know, launch the best new brand of, I don't know, I'm looking at you with the headphones on, best new brand of headphones, you know, maybe you go and tap up Dr. Dre or something. I don't yeah, know, but yeah. it's fine if people have been there and done it. And maybe, you know, I joke and say, you know, go for someone like Dr. Dre, but actually maybe find someone who's at that just a few steps ahead of you as well. That can be invaluable because they can remember where where they started and how they started and actually what it really took. Sometimes when people are a bit too far ahead of you, it's they forget how they started or it's, it's you know, their focus is somewhere else. But actually, if you can find someone either to mentor you or to guide you or to coach you, that can really be invaluable and um, go and seek out those people. That's what I say. Brings in, doesn't it, that uh, the best way to learn, you know, there's an old saying, isn't it? The best way to learn is from your mistakes mm-hmm. and actually challenge that and say, no, learn from others exactly it's far quicker and it's far less painful oh exactly yes if if only i'd known what i know now and of course we all say you know hindsight's a wonderful thing but i do think the opportunities that are open to young people now i feel like there should be kind of no excuse just because of what they've got at their fingertips usually in the palm of their hand in their phone you know it's all there if they want it and i think sometimes it's channeling that want and that desire into the right place of course you know backgrounds and you know how you've been brought up and the kind of role models in your life will definitely depend on that whether you think 
you're worth it, whether you've got the confidence to go and approach these people, I probably wouldn't have actually had that confidence. So that would have been key, having someone in my life who gave me that kind of confidence to say, do you know what? It's all right. Go and contact those people. They're going to be happy to hear from, you know, an 11, 12 year old Catherine or John Boy or whatever like that, that yeah. actually they're, that would probably make their day to know that they've inspired you to, to reach out and, and, and go for it. And that going for it, as you term it, Catherine, is going to be very much leveraged by the individual's need to get away from pain. Mm-hmm. Pain or pleasure, the two great motivators in our yeah. life. And I, and I don't particularly buy into the word motivate, mm-hmm. but for the no. purpose of this, it's it, it will suffice. Yeah. But invariably, the vast majority of the human race will do anything, will they not, to get away from pain. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not born into pain. We don't understand it. And it's something that external conditions bestow upon us Mm. and we struggle to cope with it. And so it's like, okay, get me away from this. I I, I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. So it's a fantastic lever for change, isn't it? Massively. And I I, I talk about that when I do a lot of trainings that actually we think we're going towards pleasure, but more often than not, it's getting away from the pain of something. Um, And so as much as we don't want to tap into it, it's a powerful tool to tap into. Yeah. I've, I, you know, I've, I've blogged about things like pain is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love pain. Suffering, however, that's mm. a different story because there is no merits at all no. in suffering. Pain in small doses is is a great lever. Yeah. So, um, okay, I want to move on then, Catherine, if I can, to the opposite of the certainty mm-hmm. and the uncertainty or the variety. Mm. So in terms of your your own mindset uh, specifically, uh, and influenced obviously by your you know your past, your upbringing, your peers, etc., how would you kind of summarise the need, I suppose, to have the need of uncertainty or variety in in your life as a mm. to be a successful business or to be a successful person, whatever mm-hmm. success is? Yeah, I think it's interesting because you think again that certainty versus kind of uncertainty or variety, again how do you say that they've both been of influence? But actually it really has because I think we all want certainty. But like I said, for me, certainty brings with it a freedom and the ability to have variety and a level of uncertainty because you know you've got that certainty kind of working for you in the background. Yes. Um, So I definitely, I love variety in sense of I like to take on new ideas and new challenges. I think in some ways because some of where I did have some of the certainty in my life, say like, you know, I lived in the, same house with my mum for about 23 years. I've probably in the last, I'm trying to think since I moved out, I've moved four or five times. That's quite interesting, isn't it? That you've lived in the same place for so long that actually you like the variety of being able to go and live in different places. And um, I, I love the idea of travel and having that variety because again, I didn't really have that growing up. One, because there wasn't the certainty of income for us to go on holidays and abroad and things like that. Sure. I think I'd been abroad twice by the time I took myself off traveling at 21 and went to uh, Thailand and Japan and I traveled all around Thailand and then went over to America for a while. And it's because I hadn't had that. So it's really interesting that sometimes it's the thing where you've had the certainty of, yep, I've always lived here and I've you know, just holidayed in Scotland and Cornwall and things like that, and always in the UK, that that was kind of the certainty that gave me the reason I wanted the variety. Uh, And again, I think as a business owner and and wanting to get into that world, it was doing something against the norm. 
it is uncertain to go and work for yourself or to be your own boss and not to have a guaranteed wage packet coming in. But again, I'd always loved that idea of kind of being my own boss, doing what I wanted to do and not just kind of working for someone else or taking the next job request from them. And so it's interesting that probably that need for variety led me to become my own my own boss and to run my own businesses and to give me that opportunity to not do the same thing day in, day out. And I, I love the variety that I get from public speaking because I'm never going to get the same audience twice. Yeah, I love recording podcast episodes because there's always new things my audience want me to talk about and to kind of delve into. And so, yeah, it's really interesting that I hadn't really, until you kind of asked that question, I hadn't really thought that actually that my need for variety has probably led me to where exactly I am now. Absolutely. And as you say, you know, on a conscious level, you know, we just do things, don't we, without mm-hmm. actually, until somebody, what I term, puts a mirror in front of us and say, right, look at that mirror and tell yourself what's going off it. Because we don't, we just do it. Yes. To quote Nike. <laughs> okay. So moving on to the third human need then, the need for significance. Now, this is usually when I ask this question, Catherine, where people tend to be a bit coy and a bit, well, oh, I, I don't need significance. We all need significance. Yeah. We all do. Especially, I think, if, you know, dear, I say, if you want to be a a game changer, Mm -hmm. you've got to have that. Somebody said to me, somebody quite eminent in the world of personal development said to me, just keep it north of arrogant. Oh, okay. Mm. Nice. It's interesting. It's it's an interesting, um, you know. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, how would you sort of, from your point of view, how would you term your need for significance? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, like I said, my background before being on stage as me as a public speaker was doing dance and amateur dramatics and things like that. And I've done dance since the age of three. Right. And being on stage and doing shows and things like that. And there is this real buzz and thrill you get from that instant applause and, you know, the smiles and then the congratulations afterwards. And, and I suppose, again, without even knowing it all, probably you, you wouldn't call it significant, especially when you're younger, but you do love to please people, uh, make people love you, make people smile, make people happy. And there's a significance in that, isn't there? That mm-hmm. if you can do that, then you feel better about yourself and yeah. gives you that confidence. And so, I feel like we all need significance. There'll be kind of levels and certain days we we may feel insignificant and that's when we need the most amount of significance from other people usually because we can't find it in ourselves. I suppose for me, significance is about inspiring. So you talk about you're not a fan of the word motivation, neither am I. I like to use the word inspire. Absolutely. And inspiration, it comes from within. Absolutely. Um, and... I think the real thing for me is like, okay, if I can build this significance or people are maybe listening to me and they're hearing and I can inspire them to do something maybe other people haven't or they haven't found in themselves, then I think that's really important because how would we kind of go through our day? What was kind of be the point in some ways if we're not doing something to maybe make this world a little better and to actually believe that we can shouldn't be seen as a kind of ego or an arrogance in a bad way. It should be seen as actually we're wanting to do something to make this this world a better place than what we came into it for. Absolutely. Stephen Covey's Ninth Habit. I love mm. that. 
Absolutely. And that, that is my, my personal guiding light, exactly okay. what you've just said. Yeah. Because otherwise, why are we here? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we go to a football match, we go on a date, we, do, we go <laughs> through the motions of life, yep. new car, whatever it may be. But it's so superficial. It's mm. motivational, isn't it? Mm. And it's short-lived. Yeah. Absolutely. So in terms of the significance, I mean, certainly one of the challenges that I, I actually put back to people is, well, make yourself as, you know, frighten yourself with mm-hmm. your own significance. Ooh. Frighten yourself. Step out there. And you've used, for me, Catherine, the right word, to inspire others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure we could debate this and uh, forevermore. But I think between us, we've kind of, we've summed it up quite easily. <laughs> it is about having the courage mm-hmm. and the confidence to go out there with new ideas and keep testing boundaries to say, look, you know, I'm going to make mistakes, but it's okay for you to look at me mm-hmm. and watch the mistakes I make. And by that, you know, I'm significant, but so long as we learn. Yeah. Okay. Love and connection, the fourth human mm-hmm. need. Where do you stand with that? What's your views about the need for love and connection? Well, as I already said, I'm obviously very happily married. We've been together for five years now. Uh, in terms of marriage, longer in terms of actually being together, I truly do think I've found a partner in all aspects of life. Yeah. And for me, that was important. As I said, you know, I have a relationship with my dad now that, the very funny, crazy things that life brings to you. My daughter was born on my dad's birthday. Right. Uh, So now show that. And he's absolutely thrilled and excited about that. I said, I can't do that every year for you, dad. But because it hadn't worked out with my mum and my dad, and and in some ways I'm very glad they did part because I don't think they would have made a good role models together trying to bring me up because, you know, I see families trying to do that. Yeah. And sometimes it's better to actually be a part but for me, there was obviously then this real significance needed for love and connection with the right person who was going to be the father of my children. And to, you know, I hear stories about, you know, men who just, who father children, but are not fathers. Yeah. And that for me was so important to know that I was going to bring up children in a really loving environment, a really connected environment that we could communicate really well. For me, that's such an important aspect of, of love and connection. The interesting thing was when I started going into my investment journey and trying to get out of my job and, and doing all that for me and actually finding mentors and people who could teach me about business, uh, my husband was working in London in a, a very decent job. He kind of worked his way up, was kind of the youngest civilian in what was a, a military organisation. And he was getting to the point where he knew he wasn't going to be able to uh, climb the ladder any further. And it was comfortable. And I was trying to show him this different way of, you know, what have you invested in yourself? And, you know, his aim was at the time to become a financial director on six figure salary. But what he probably didn't realize is probably have to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week to command that sort of salary and the expectations that would come with it. And so when he started to see me making some income from this and get out of my job and see the freedom and variety that I had, he started to get a bit more interested. But the very first event that I took him to in terms of personal development and wealth development and all that sort of stuff was actually a relationships weekend. Okay. And I kind of 
gave him a little bit of an ultimatum. I'm sure he would have come anyway. Um, but I said, look, we're engaged now. We're going to be getting married soon. Both our parents' marriages didn't work. And some of them are remarried, others not. But there was obviously some fundamental flaws and things that meant they didn't work as a couple. And I said, I think we really work as a couple, but there's always going to be things in life that come up that are going to challenge us. And I'd rather have some tools in our tool belt. And so we went on this relationship weekend, uh, slightly dragged him along. And he uh, sat there for the first few hours with his arms crossed (laughs) and not really making eye contact with the trainer at the front of the room who I'd already done some courses with. So I knew he was the right guy. It was a guy at the front of the room. That I think was actually quite important that I knew Steve would relate to him as well. And literally by lunchtime on the first day, the arms had uncrossed. He completely reacts. And he really got into all the exercises we were going through. And at the end of the weekend, he said, I didn't know there was a level of love that high. Like uh, essentially it was put into kind of four levels. And he said, I only thought you could get to level three. I didn't even know level four existed. And for me, we're not always at level four, but we always know that it's there to come back to. And the love and the connection that we have is so much stronger. Thanks to that, I truly believe. Because as he said, we, if we look up to our parents, they haven't necessarily been the, the best role models for us in terms of love and connection, especially with their, their life partners or would have been their marriage partners at least. Didn't work out for life. I think that we've now got the tools to keep us together, um, to build a, a really strong family unit. And for me, that's uh, been such a big part of the reason why of doing all of it as well, to have that time to be with each other as well because love connection marriage partnership it takes time it takes work absolutely and um and i'm really glad we've got that time with each other yeah i can just ask you Catherine, if if that model that um and obviously you know it's, it's not a discussion about that but was that the sort of the the level one what that's termed as baby love me 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 mm-hmm. at the level four then the other end of the scale was around uh almost kind of gandhi mandela like total forgiveness i love my enemy was it along those lines oh kind of probably not quite to that point but it was i mean it was talking about relationships in the sense of loving relationships that weekend although obviously yes you could go and apply some of that to maybe how you did treat your business partner or your enemy or whatever you know might have turned them but for us we were very much concentrating on our love and connection and our level of love and so yeah it was i think if we if we would say that level three would be what you might see and what you might expect of a happy, loving married couple. And then actually knowing that there's a level four of having, you know, true deep communication, connection, love. Yes. Definitely a kind of empathy as yes. well with each other. And actually one thing that came out of it, and then we always say to each other is to be kind to each other. Yeah. And I think too many times, you know, if we have a bad day, it's our other half, the other, you know, person at home, gets the brunt of it usually. And I think it's saying, okay, that's fine. And we know why we're doing that. We know that that's been done, but actually we come back and we're always kind to each other and always, you know, have a kind word to say at the end of the end of the night, always start with a kind word at the beginning of the day. And that's how we try and try and run our life and our our days together. It's those simple little things, isn't it? That Mm. look, that touch, that reassurance Mm -hmm. that you're everything in my world. Mm. 
Yeah, I totally get that. Totally get that. I came across, just to sort of wrap up this fourth human need, I came across something, I can't even remember where I read it or heard it now, but it said relationships, especially close, intimate relationships, like like a a shoebox. Mm -hmm. And most couples go into to take stuff out of that shoebox. And sooner or later, when that shoebox is empty, that's a great metaphor for the relationship is emotionally devoid. Mm. Why don't you use that shoebox and put stuff into it as individuals and then it's there to share as you go along? Mm. And I thought that was a great a great way of describing because, you know, human nature generally being what it is, it is about take what's in it for me. Yeah. So put into the box Yeah. and there's loads in it for us over time. And it does take time, obviously. And I think if I can just add one more thing to that, it was also that weekend was about self-love as well. Absolutely. Because if you do not love yourself, what have you got to give to that other person to put into that shoebox? Yeah. We cannot give what we do not have. And there are, you know, I know there's a lot of schools of of thought that we challenge that. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have that debate another time, another (laughs) place, but now is not that time. Okay, the penultimate then, because mm. we're kind of into the uh, the spiritual, the, the the two highest human needs now, mm. the penultimate one, growth. Mm. What's growth meant to you, Catherine? Oh, I think I've really understood that a lot more in the last few years than I ever did growing up. I think for me, growing up, I would never have used the word growth. It had been like academic achievement. Yeah. It had been, you know, what grades I got. But growth is so much more than that. Absolutely. And I didn't realise how much I love to learn, how much I want to explore uh, just different concepts, uh, debate things with people, really kind of get into the integrity until the last few years that I understood that I loved that. Does that make sense? So school was fine for me. Um, I did well in terms of academic achievement and all of that. But I didn't love going there. I didn't, you know, run to school and be like, yeah, I can't wait to learn. But I was the person who always put the hand up and always answered. And, you know, if I had something to contribute, I would. And I think that kind of has shown now in what I do in terms of sharing with others. So I love being able to help other people grow in areas they didn't know was possible or give them some insights and inspiration, like I said, to you know build the business they want or the lifestyle they want or have the family life they want and I think that was the the key thing for me that a realization like I said just in the last few years of how much I love taking on board new concepts you know applying them uh just reading for so much non-fiction you know you wouldn't believe but uh, I'd hardly ever touch a fiction book anymore just because it doesn't feel like it is growing me. I feel like if anything, sometimes it's like it's numbing me. And, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, even the documentaries I watch, I wouldn't have turned on a documentary back in the day. Now I absolutely love watching them and finding a new one that's, you know, really well put together. And that's on so much. It's not just on business. Um, I love looking at wealth and health and I'm vegan as well. That's a really big part of who I am now. Again, never would have been something back in the back in the past at all. But I think that all comes from that I did love putting my hand up. I'd wish I'd been able to take young me and put me into an environment that was even more nurturing, more engaging on the things that I love to do. I always say like there's so many like jobs or careers or 
interesting information out there that I never knew existed, that at school you're never put in front of. You know, it's just your average day to day. And I think for so many children, it does stunt their growth. And they they don't even know they love learning because they're just not in the right environment for it. So when I came along to start doing, as I say, these relationship weekends, you know, learning about different businesses and wealth and learning from mentors and getting coaches and things, it just tapped into that thing that was already obviously there. It was just in the environment that I got to choose. Yes. So I never went to university. A couple of reasons. I, I went to actually to go and do a, a direction production course. Unfortunately, it went into liquidation just before I was about to start. I then went and got my dance teacher's qualification. So I've always been doing stuff. I've always worked as well. I've always been wanting to learn new things, always taking on board new concepts. But like I said, I hadn't really quite got that that is something I loved doing. I thought I just had to do it. Yes, I understand. It's different when you choose to do it. Yes. Um, and I think I was always seeking that out. I just didn't know what it was I was seeking out. That makes sense. Like I was always looking for something. I just didn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. And, I, and from a personal level, I totally get that because I went through a, an 11 year phase of academia where I was looking for that external validation mm. in pieces of what I call fancy pieces of paper. <laughs> and I got them. When that particular journey had come to an end which was kind of at doctorate level what have I done (laughs) I mean it was you know I met a friend um and I was with him last night funny enough and we'd been apart I mean I I left school very early uh he stayed on for a levels and we met up again 25 years later when I was both 40 and obviously there was a lot to talk about and he'd become immensely successful in business and I'd lost my way significantly in life pick up the pieces later on and he and he asked me a very interesting question and his words when i'm never and i reminded of him last night mm-hmm. i can't believe that somebody as thick as you speaking <laughs> to me achieved the level of success you did mm. particularly in academia and i said right let me tell you this one i was never thick and nobody is thick no okay the other thing is I was in a place at the time, I was too busy surviving to worry about the three R's, Mm. literally surviving by the skin of my teeth. And he said, do you regret the journey? You know, what's those pieces of paper meant to you? And I said, the piece of paper, absolutely nothing. The process it put me through, that's Mm. a different story. So that, you know, the 10, 11 year journey was worth the process. Yeah. And that there was great learning in that, Catherine, and as much that what I was doing, I needed that external validation. Yeah. Look at me. Look what I've done. Yeah. Did I enjoy that journey? No. I enjoyed taking the learning out of the process because that did help me grow. Yeah. But what that said to me was, and that was probably the best part of 20 years ago now when Mm. that conversation took place, was, do you know, try and enjoy the journey. Yes. Don't just keep ticking the boxes because Mm. there's no future in that. Mm. You might fool the outside world because you've got a fancy piece of paper, Mm. but that's totally irrelevant. And, you know, the the great learning for me was to bring that power back into me. I'm important in this, me. And, you know, to use a phrase that we've already used between us, I can't give what I don't have. Yeah. 
I can't give you a fancy piece of paper, <laughs> but by benefiting from the process mm. and that confidence and that inspiration, now I've got something to give. Mm. So that actually changed my journey quite significantly. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, I mentioned to people that I didn't go to university, neither did my husband. I think sometimes and we both clearly could, like uh, my, my husband's... Um, I call him my spreadsheet king. Um, he and um, calculator brain. He's definitely there with his maths, and just, I thought I was fairly good at maths, but he's just on another level. And we both could have gone. We were both in the position, I think, in our family lives at the time, yeah. that money and being able to support our families was more important. Yes, I think we both didn't know what university was going to give us at that time, and so it felt like it would be a waste of money, which was definitely not there to be had and I think until I knew which journey I wanted to go on until it was kind of my money to either invest or decide what I was going to do with um I didn't want to take that journey and it's interesting because like say enjoy the journey I think one of the things for me is why I went traveling is because at the time I hadn't been enjoying the journey I'd gone through a real stage in my life around my 21st birthday where life was not good at all and luckily, having a friend who just went, come on, let's go traveling, really changed a lot about my life, actually, and showed me that I could go and enjoy life as well as just doing it for the next paycheck or yeah. doing it for other people, essentially. And I started to think about what do I want from life? What's really important? And that started to change probably a massive part of my trajectory. So I have a lot of lots to thank that friend for <laughs> yeah and I, and I know in some respects it's probably almost cliched but it is about finding that passion isn't it and pursuing it because when you when you look at it in a relative sense we're on this in, in a physical form we're actually on this planet for a very short space of time yeah so you know do enjoy it and follow that passion mm. and and do gain that significance that mm. makes you feel good I can remember having a conversation um many 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 years ago now because I've had this kind of uh, conversation with so many people well my passion is x y and z but that ain't going to pay the gas bill yeah well I had a conversation uh, and I remind people of this with uh, an eminent clothes designer from Nottingham called Sir Paul Smith mm. and it was many moons ago maybe <laughs> 20 years ago now and of course when somebody meets somebody of that stature Usually the question is, what's the golden secret? How do you do it? How do you get rich overnight? And yeah. all that kind of, just give me one answer and yeah, I'll yeah. do it kind what's of stuff. What's your secret sauce? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I was no different. Um, so, uh, and we had a conversation and um, and his and his, his response was, was great. He said, when I worked in the lace market, I was very poor. Six days a week, I worked my fingers to the bone. The seventh day was what he called his pure day. That's mine. I'll flirt with creativity, with new ideas. Nobody will put me in a box. The six days a week, I'm earning a living and surviving. Mm -hmm. The other one is mine and mm -hmm. the rest is history. And I thought that was a fantastic insight into, mm -hmm. you know, people when they say, well, you know, it's, it's okay for you, but you haven't yeah. got my gas bill and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We've all got a gas bill in life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's really interesting, aren't I? I think when again when I'm ever delivering talks or training, I really like to make sure that the people in the room 
know that I came from where they're sitting at that point. Uh, and many a time I may have actually been sat exactly where they are. And still to this day, I believe I'm a student of things as well. I can always Absolutely. be learning. I can always be growing. And so I put myself back in those seats that I'm training to as well. And, you know, I really want to say something like, you know, I'm no different from you. I still have, you know, there's still things that come out. I still have a gas and electricity bill and yep. rent and mortgage to pay and things like that. And so the difference is, I've taken some action on something that someone's given me, some piece of information, a piece of knowledge. And so my biggest thing to people is, you know, go out there and, and learn and take this all in and take the notes and things. But I've got hundreds of notebooks, you know, from learning from, you know, all over the years. And some just sit there and gather dust. It's the ones you actually take action on that are going to make the biggest difference in your life. And yes, I've probably put people on pedestals in the past, but a lot of these people are now people that I call friends. Yeah. And that really does actually make a difference when you know their day in, their day out, when they are having a bit of a struggle one day or something didn't quite go, go quite right with a business deal or whatever like that. We're all human. We're all here to contribute something. We're all unique. We've got a unique talent or a unique gift that we can share um, and inspire people with. And that doesn't have to be this massive, great thing that this new idea that no one's ever heard of before it can be really just simply sharing your journey, your insights, the knowledge and experience you've gained that someone else will have never thought about before or heard about. And I think people just need to, one, be confident that they have that in themselves and two, not be scared to share it. Absolutely. And it is about, uh, and I've quoted this many times, but in some respects, don't make any apologies for repeating it again with Oprah Winfrey and her um sadly departed mentor at the time, Mayor Angelou. Mm. And she said to Mayor Angelou, uh, oh, it's great. I've just discovered my, my greatest legacy ever, this school for young girls in Africa. And the wise old sage known as Mayor said, <laughs> no, no, it's not. Mm. Oh, yeah, it is, it is, it is. It's going to, you know, and it's going to instill these young girls uh, with so much confidence and give them that inspiration and go forward and... No, it's not. The reality is for you and every single one of us, we don't know what our legacy is going to be. Mm. It's probably when you open the door for the old lady this morning or a smiler to stranger. And that's mm. never, ever under, underestimate those small things that we just take for granted. Like that. And that person will remember that. And yeah. you don't know what effect that's had. Yeah. The tangible, oh, you know, the big, I've opened the school. Yeah. Yeah, it's stuff that's out mm. there. And I thought, yet again, there was fantastic learning for, you know, whether we're rich, poor, famous or not. That's a very, very simple thing that mm. actually each and every one of us in the world can do. Yeah, so, that's such a good point. I love that. I love that saying. I think for me, you know, I think it's about, you know, how I'm going to raise my children. But there'll be certain things that I think, oh, you know, that's really going to stick with them. And it'll probably be the thing they least remember. Yeah. And like I said, it, it's... It's how we turn up and show up every day. Absolutely. That will be how people remember us. And, and you know, we, we just don't know which one, which bit it is. So hopefully we can put our best foot forward as much as we can, especially when we're working and dealing with other people and influencing them or inspiring them that actually, and even just, I suppose sometimes even sharing, if you are having a bad day. Yeah, And that everyone absolutely. does. And absolutely. that's fine too. I mean, I had to put it out there the other day just because of, you know, what I had been through sort of earlier in, in my 20s that 
someone put really uh, a post that really spoke to me on Facebook. And uh, it did say, you know, if, if this speaks to you, share it. So I did exactly that. And the amount of people who contacted me said, thanks for that. And, and I was just like, it's because that's where I was. I wouldn't have shared it for any other reason. But yeah. if that does help and just let people know they're not alone, then great. And maybe that will make a difference. I don't know. Well, making a difference, uh, Catherine, brings us very nicely and timely <laughs> onto the uh, the sixth and final hum- human need of contribution. Yeah. Sum that up in your, in your world, if you would. <sighs> so for me, I suppose I started thinking about business investment from a very purely selfish point of view of getting myself out of the day job. My mental health and my physical health were suffering. Um, so it was a very purely selfish thing. Now, in terms of contribution, I very much look at my businesses about how they're contributing to others. So whether that's directly to my children or to Steve, whether that's to our team. We actually just had a um, a very sad event happen within our team. One of the guys unfortunately lost his son. And being able to provide him with a job that's giving him stability, that's we're employees that are sympathetic because I I hate to think that other people wouldn't be, but I'm sure there would be that just like, no, you need to get to work the next day or whatever it be. He just said, look, take as much time as you need, whatever you need from us. We're essentially increasing his wages to make sure that any costs he's had from kind of medical bills recently are covered because he's based out in the Philippines. So it's not the NHS and all of this going on. So I'm really clear now that why I do business is not just for me anymore. It may have been to start with, and that may have been my reason why to start it. For me now, everything I do is like, how is it contributing to the betterment of the planet? And that sounds a bit egotistical, doesn't it? Like that for me, sometimes I have to kind of say, who am I to think I can influence the planet? But surely if we all are thinking in that way, we're going to make a better planet than what was here when we arrived. But didn't Steve Jobs say that the people that are crazy enough to think they'll change the world are those that actually do. There we go then. And it is having that mindset and that conviction mm-hmm. that, you know, that is my, that's what I'm going to do. Mm. And I don't actually, and I don't mean this um, uh, in an arrogant sense, but I don't actually care what the world thinks about my crusade to do that mm. because the reality is I will contribute in a very positive way and surely that's got to be good. Yeah. Not everybody's going to agree. Not everybody's going to like you. That's fine. Yeah. It's not a popularity journey. Yeah. It's about leaving something tangible, mm. a legacy, to use the, the uh, Mayor Angelou um, example, yeah. behind when we're gone, not only for for our children, but for our grandchildren and mm. society as a whole. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I, I bring that up and, and I wrestle with it because it's it's what other people are thinking or I think other people may be thinking. But actually, I know my intention is completely pure, completely for genuine reasons. And I listen to a lot of other podcasts and, and other you know way bigger businesses than I have. And when they're trying to do the right thing, but it's seen as a popularity contest yeah. or seen as them trying to sway their corporate brand on stuff, when actually, when you you hear from the person who tried to put it into place or that it came from the the employees at the bottom who said, we think we could do something really good here. And then it's taken out of context. Yeah. Um, 
that's a really sad thing. I think um, Starbucks tried to do something around the the race relations in 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 America, and it kind of got again misconstrued, and the the story went the wrong way. But when you listen to why they did it, it was all for the right reasons. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, that's hard as you become a, a you know a well known worldwide brand. Of course, I think what I love about the fact is I can do simple things still with my business that I know are going to make a significance and it's weird it doesn't necessarily give me significance that it's doing it but I know it will have a significant impact and like I said whether that's my legacy or not I don't know but one of the things we did really simply with our service accommodation business obviously there's a toilet in every apartment and it was when we were doing some antenatal classes um, for the arrival of Ella and I'd seen them before Steve had then seen them and it was these little plaques in the toilets where we were um, doing this class and it was called toilet twinning. You're like People are like, what's toilet twinning? You know, I've heard of town twinning. What's toilet twinning? So toilettwinning.org, one in three people across the world do not have access to a sanitary toilet. Now, if you think about the difference having a sanitary toilet environment can make to disease and infections and all of those things that are then related to, you know, the kind of the contamination issues. One in three, that's crazy, right? We just take it for granted in this country. It's £60 to sponsor essentially and twin your toilet with a a lavatory and a a Levine within a developing nation. That's it. Right. So every single one of our apartments uh, sponsors a toilet and that allows that toilet to to exist essentially. Fantastic. And um, it was quite funny because we put in obviously quite a big order when we first found out about this. We had, you know, sort of 20 units and the the head of fundraising called up my husband and said... "Um, oh, can I just ask what this is all about? And he kind of explained what we were doing. And the the fun thing is now, I talked about it to my aunt and uncle. They were like, oh yeah, we're going to do this in ours because they came and stayed ours. And they were like, what's this little toilet twinning plaque in our our ensuite loo? And uh, Dad says, Lou, and they were... And then I feel like for every person who stays at our apartment, just might twig something. Just might say, oh, never heard that before. Oh, I didn't know one in three people didn't have access to a sanitary toilet. Might go and look into that. And so just that kind of little ripple that you don't even know you're potentially having. So for me, that's what I want business to do. As I mentioned, I'm vegan. Environment is so important to me. I have a mission and a tagline around my businesses. But for me, like the overarching thing now is around sustainability of our planet because I do feel we've done it a big disservice. Yes. This planet is remarkable and... I think I don't want just this planet to survive. I want it to thrive. And so for me, that's a big part of having business to have the income coming in, to have the businesses contributing in their own way to different uh, projects and, and things that I think will make a difference, whether small or, or big. But for me now, it's knowing, okay, that income's coming in. I want to now spread this message around sustainability, um, environment, how we can actually do some tangible things to, as I say, not just have a planet survive, but to thrive for future generations to come. That is kind of my big mission and purpose now, I believe, because I've really tapped into that in the last couple of years. And I feel like there's so much miseducation around there. I think people think it's going to be hard or it's like, oh, environment, ugh. But actually, we all live on this one planet, this one earth. I'm sure we all want to see it thrive. And I think if we just know those little 
daily things we can do just slightly differently, different habits we can have, I think we can all make a massive difference and impact and contribution to this, to this world and this planet. And um, yeah, that's one of the messages I want to get out there a bit more as well. Superb. <laughs> Superb. So what we've done, uh, Catherine, by way of, of summarising now, obviously we've been on a journey, uh, what I um, build at the top of this this podcast around a property investor's alternative house. <laughs> So the foundation for that obviously has been the six human needs. Uh, as I say, that you know, there's many more aspects. We can visually see that now, uh, and at the risk of repeating, we'll, you know, that is available to share with the uh, with the audience. Uh, they can have a copy of that in just a couple of minutes. If there was one aspect of that image that you're looking at now that <laughs> um, that you choose or give that piece of advice to or that insight to, to to the listeners, what would it be from there? So probably because I've just started to touch upon it is the bit towards the top of those three pillars, which is your mis- mission and purpose. And I think so many of us start out in life and would not have a clue what that is. And as I say, we go through our daily lives, we date, we buy a new car, uh, we go to a job and that idea of a mission and purpose feels maybe really fluffy for someone else. Yeah. That's not for me. That's all right for you. Yeah. And I think, I think genuinely we all have a unique mission and purpose on this planet. All have a reason for being here. Yeah. We all have a unique set of values and insights and experiences and knowledge that we can bring to this world. And I really feel if you can tap into that, then you can enjoy the journey more. Yes. You, will find something that is maybe a passion, an interest that will pay the bills or you'll find something that pays the bills and then you can concentrate on the passion or interest. And I think you can merge them. I think people think it's not possible, but I, I've seen it's possible. Uh, I truly believe I'm getting to live a life I only once dreamed of. Yeah. And I know it sounds a bit corny, but it's something I truly believe. So why would I not want to share that with other people and how they can do it? And so, like I said, my overall mission now is definitely around a thriving planet for future generations. I think in terms of my business, it's always been about empowering other people to live the life of their dreams because I'm getting to live mine. And everything I do now is about how, how am I working to that mission and purpose? But like I said, that wasn't there when I was working three jobs was stressed, was depressed. It wasn't there because I could not see through the fog and the black and all of that. And it's only when someone shines a light, like you've kind of done today in that mirror in front of you, and you start to really look at what is it I've got that I could contribute? How can I help inspire people? What could I give back? What would I really love? If I only got to do one thing for the rest of my life, what, what would it be out there and what would it be achieving? What would be the purpose behind it? I think people are, are can achieve incredible things when they really tap in and find their mission and purpose. And sometimes that is about working with someone else to help you find that. Definitely. Because, you know, we can lie to ourselves very easily. Yep. Um, we're not very good at finding always the insights ourselves for ourselves. We're usually quite good at finding them for other people. Yep. So, you know, work with someone else who's got that, ability to give you some of those insights um, and draw maybe that mission and purpose out of you. And for me, it took a long time to kind of find that. I thought it was around the women part. I thought it was around the children aspects. 
And as I said, it really just pieced together for me. I've been talking about empowering people for a long time. How can I empower people to create a planet that's going to be thriving here for future generations? Obviously, that piece kind of came uh, becoming a mum and, uh, and things like that. So you might not have all the pieces yet, but it will be building inside of you. And um, and I think as you get clearer and clearer and as I say working with someone is always a good idea if you're really keen to do that piece of work. It's a, it's a great piece of work to do. And yeah, I think mission and purpose can really help people hone in, focus, enjoy the journey. And essentially, once you've found that, it, it makes everything so much clearer and easier. Yeah. And that clearer and easier, Catherine, for me, going back to the very, very first podcast I did, um, episode was under the, uh, under the banner of mastering the game of life as oh. simple as ABC question mark. And what we've spoke about in the last hour or so, in both our very different journeys, mm-hmm. I think actually inadvertently have run very parallel and they are arguably glued together by that ABC. And not just me and you, each and every one of us, because for me, it's a question of, of awareness. Where are we now? Because we can only deal with what we're aware of Yeah. through growth. We can increase that awareness. B, the belief that we can actually achieve that and see the creativity to, to coin a phrase, to think outside the box Mm -hmm. rather than just do what we've always done and keep getting the same results. Mm -hmm. Well, keep doing that and you will get the same results. So we need to try to do something different. Mm -hmm. So irrespective, I think of how we approach these conversations, whether it's with a friend at the bar or you know, in a podcast scenario like this or or in life in general, mm. you know, I've yet and I'm constantly challenging my own thoughts around around this. But life is as simple as ABC, <laughs> I believe. Love that. I love that. OK, mm. thank you. So, um, Catherine, I'd like to thank you for, for taking part in this and sharing with us some key parts of your journey and mm-hmm. certainly the insights uh, a little bit into your personal life. So thank you very much for that. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And uh I think sometimes, like you said, you've kind of held that mirror to me that um, you don't always do. And uh, it's been an interesting insight for me as well today. So thank you. Excellent. And obviously to to our listeners, hope there's some value in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, dare I say, particularly to our property people, mm-hmm. and they might look at uh, property investment in a slightly different mm-hmm. way from now on. But um, anyway, so until the next time, take care and thank you very much and keep safe. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullowhart.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullowhart.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.